Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, this is our, uh, our week of prayer starting today. And so this is the third time I mention it, so I hope you remember it. But I do want to mention one more thing. This Friday night, we are ending our week of prayer with a night of worship. And so make plans Friday, whether you're a morning person or an evening person, uh, to join us at 7 p.m. this Friday night for a night of worship. It's going to be uh, wonderful as we are continuing to pray. God, open our eyes. And you'll see on your bookmark, today's focus is, God, open our eyes to your presence. And our theme verse is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. Verse number 17, we're going to put that on the screen for you this morning. Uh, We preached about this last Sunday, so if you missed last week's Sunday, you can go back and read it. But I want to ask you to kind of help get this theme verse in your mind. So I want to ask you to read it with me out loud on your mark and set, go. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We talked about last week that if we live our life only seeing things how I see it. And sometimes we take a lot of pride in telling people how we see things, right? Well, the way I see it. You ever said that? You ever thought that? If you live your whole life living by... Well, the way I see it, you're going to live your life 120,000 miles below the life God wants you to live. This servant was not aware at all that the power of God was there, the presence of God was there, the deliverance of God was there, the path out of a situation to freedom was there. It was all there. He just couldn't see it until Elisha prayed, God, open his eyes so he can see what he's not seeing. This week, we're praying, God, open our eyes so that we can see what we're not seeing. I don't know if you've been following Jesus for 10 minutes, 10 years, or maybe uh, maybe multiple decades, but here's what I know. You haven't seen it all yet. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you hadn't seen it all yet. He's got more for you. And so we're asking God, open our eyes to what we're not seeing. This servant and our theme verse was very, and I'm not preaching about this servant today, that was last week, but this servant and our theme verse was stressed out because of what he did see and he was stressed out because of what he didn't see. He saw the human enemy, but he didn't see his spiritual help. If you look up the word stress in the dictionary, you'll hear some words that says like this, emotional strain or tension that arrive from adverse or demanding circumstances. The reason the servant was stressed out was because he saw the demanding circumstances, but he did not see the presence of God. If I were to take you a survey this morning and ask you, how many of you ever feel stressed out? My guess is more than two of us would raise our hands. Right? We all feel stressed out at times, whether it's about your family, your finances, your responsibilities, your job, what's going on in, in, your, in your health. You can live your whole life. But, but what if we redefine stress this way? Stress equals a failure to see God's presence. 
Stress equals a failure to see God's presence. See, every time I think I'm sinking, when I finally call out to the Lord, he, His presence shows up, and all of a sudden what I was in distress about becomes distance to me because God is with me. We need God to open our eyes to His presence. So in today's text, we're going to see a guy who, actually we're going to look at two guys, two men who were in the presence of God and didn't know it. Did you know you can be in the presence of God and not know it? John chapter 1, Jesus is starting his ministry. Philip has decided that Jesus is the Messiah. He believes Jesus, who he says he is. So in verse number 45, Philip does what all believers do when they truly find Jesus. They find someone else and they tell them the good news. So in 45, it says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything come good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than these. He added, very truly, I tell you, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us open our eyes to the reality of your presence. Help us be more aware of the presence of God in our life so that we can take full advantage of all the healing, deliverance, power, confidence, And Lord, just the way out when there seems to be no way out that comes from seeing your presence. Lord, help me to speak what you want spoken. Help us to hear what you want us to hear. And everybody in the room said amen. Amen. Like many of us, like all of us, I'm sure, all of us have had moments in life where we were convinced that God is absent. Have you ever had a moment you felt like God was absent? God's not here His presence isn't here. He's forgotten me. I'm off his radar. I mean, just look at this circumstance. If God knew where I was, I wouldn't be facing what I'm facing. I wouldn't be be broke like I'm broke. I wouldn't be sick like I'm sick. I wouldn't have the loss that I lost. I wouldn't be going through the despair that I have. If God was really with me, then I wouldn't know it. But I want to tell you, friends, this morning, you can write this down if you want to, but just because God seems absent doesn't make it so. Nathaniel is exhibit A. Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel had no idea that God was with him when he was under the fig tree, but Jesus said, No, I saw you. And this present reality of God's presence takes Nathaniel from being a doubter to a believer, from being 
very cynical about who Jesus was to being convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. So this morning, I'm praying that starting today, that we have a heightened awareness of the presence of God. I'm praying, God, open my eyes more and more to your presence. There is more of God's presence than what we recognize or take advantage of. Well, Pastor, how, how can I become more aware of God's presence? I want to give you a few ways this morning. Number one, realize that God's presence can penetrate your doubts. Have you ever had doubts about God? Have you ever had doubts whether God could help the situation you're in? Have you ever had doubts whether God can make a difference in your life? And maybe, maybe you've heard, well, well, God's made a difference in someone else's life. But, you know, that's just what Jesus does. He moves in other people's lives, but he doesn't move in my life. I know I'm the only person unspiritual enough to have that thought. But I've had that thought that, that Jesus, your greatness is just what you do. Your presence is just what you do. For other people. And here's Nathaniel. I mean, he heard that Jesus has come and he said, Really? I mean, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Perhaps he heard of the virgin birth 30 years earlier, but that was 30 years ago. Here's Nathaniel. He is familiar with the promise of God, he's familiar with the word of God. He knows that God has promised he will send a deliverer. He knows that the Messiah is going to come, but all Nathaniel knows is his whole life has been under Roman rule. His whole life has been the promise of the Savior with no sight of a Savior, and it's all convinced him that God is absent. But I want to tell you, friend of mine, even when God seems absent, He is with us. He's with us. As a matter of fact, there's two, there's two characters in this story. One of them's mentioned by name, Nathaniel. The other one that's not mentioned by name, Jesus just sort of alludes to him as an Old Testament figure named Jacob. Who remembers Jacob from the Old Testament, right? The Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? The, the grandson of Abraham. The one who, who God said it's through Jacob who later would be renamed Israel. It's through Jacob that I'm going to keep the promise of blessing Abraham, keeping my promise to Abraham that through Jacob's seed, many are going to be blessed. The 12 tribes of Israel will come through Jacob, but, but how many know what Jacob's name means, biblically speaking? Heel grabber, right? When it becomes Israel, it's he who prevails with God. But Jacob, from the beginning, it simply meant heel grabber or deceiver. Because Jacob's story is all about deception. I mean, just make a list of all the people Jacob deceived. He deceived his brother. Remember that? He he swindled his brother out of the birthright for a, for a bowl of beans. You know you're pretty desperate when you sell your birthright for a bowl of beans. He, he dressed up like a hairy dude to deceive his father from the blessing of the firstborn son. Later in his life, he deceived his father-in-law, who perhaps is one of the only more deceptive people in the Word of God than Jacob himself. His whole life, he is, he is manipulating, he is tricking, he is deceiving. He's doing, he's doing all these acrobats to try to gain the blessing of God deceitfully. 
And at some point he comes, he's now he's running for his life because his brother's out to kill him. His father, he's deceived his father. His mom says, get out of town before they kill you. He, he's, he's running for his life in a place that's about to become called Bethel. And his day is so bad, the Bible says that he found a rock for a pillow. How many of your days going bad when the only thing you've got for comfort is a rock for a pillow? And while, he, while he's sleeping with his head on a rock, he has a dream of angels ascending and descending. And he wakes up and he says these words. You can probably say them with me. He said, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. So when, when the Bible talks about Jacob's beginnings, it's always about deceiving. It's also, always about trickery. And yet, the presence of God, here's what I want you to take away from that. The presence of God pursued Jacob through his manipulation, through his trickery, through his trying to get the blessing of God his own way, the presence of God pursued Jacob all the way to Bethel and said, listen, I am pursuing you despite your sin, despite your manipulation. Can I tell you, church, your sin does not disqualify you from being a partaker of the presence of God. Amen? That's good news. And then there's Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Jesus paints the story with Nathaniel as he did with Jacob about angels descending, descending, ascending up and down from heaven. He gives the same description about, about that to, to Nathaniel, but he says to Nathaniel these words, in whom there is no deceit. He's kind of comparing and contrasting the difference between Jacob's life and Nathaniel's life. And, and, and Jesus even says, in this person, how many would like to have how many would like to have people brag on you? Right? I do. If you didn't know that, there you go. But wouldn't it be awesome to have Jesus brag on you? I mean, Jesus is bragging on this guy. He said to Nathaniel, in this guy, there is no guile. There is no deceit. He's saying, Nathaniel is a true Israelite, but he is nothing like Jacob. In him, there is no deceit whatsoever. But to this person who has no deceit whatever, he shows the same picture of the angels ascending and descending as he did to the manipulator who was running from God. Why did he show the same picture of both guys? Because no matter whether you've been as good as you could be or as bad as you can be, there's one common need we all have, and we have a, we have a common need for the presence of God in our life, and you can't beg for it, you can't borrow for it, you can't manipulate it, you can't earn it, you can't be good enough, you can't do enough good things. So many times I, I talk to families, and especially at times of people's passings or a funeral, I, I'll say, hey, did your, did, your, did your person, do they love God, do they know God? And they'll say something like, well, they're a good person. No, no, can I tell you, friends, our goodness is like a filthy rag. It's never enough. we got to have more than our goodness. Our goodness is not good enough. But friends, our evil also isn't bad enough to keep the love of God coming to any of us who will say, Jesus, I need you. 
I need your presence. And just as you can be in the presence of God without knowing it, can I tell you, all of us have also been in our lives at certain points where we needed the presence of God and didn't know it. And you are the person I'm really speaking to. You, Whoever you are, that you're sitting in the room, we're watching online, and you're thinking, well, I hear about the presence of God, but I don't need that in my life. Friends, can I tell you, you need it. Jacob needed the presence of God. Nathaniel needed the presence of God. And you're never going to become so spiritual that you don't need the presence of God in your life. Which is why this week our first prayer is, God, open our eyes to more of your presence. We need you, Lord. Point two this morning. is realize that God sees you even when you don't see Him. Nathaniel said, Lord, how do you know me? And Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree. There's a big question that I've just skipped past many times. It was Nathaniel's question. He didn't just ask, Lord, when did you see me? Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. But that's not the question. What was, what was Nathaniel's question? How do you know me? How many of you have ever met someone famous? Who do you meet? Me, I don't count. A Christian artist. Who do you meet? I don't even know who that is, but he sounds famous. Who else? Me, you met a famous person. Eddie, who'd you meet? Scotty Pippen. He's famous. I don't know who he is. Who, who else? Who'd you meet? Ronald Reagan. Several movie stars. I once met Loretta Lynn. Y'all know who Loretta Lynn? They didn't figure you did. Once I met Bill Clinton. Twice I remember I, I met the governor. And would you believe he didn't remember my name? <laughs> There's a difference between being in the presence of greatness and being known by greatness. Can I tell you, when we come into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we're not coming into the presence of greatness. We are known by the presence of greatness. And that's the difference. So many Christians, we love the feeling of being in the presence of God, and so do I. But friends, can I tell you, you are not a visitor in the presence of God. He knows you. He's your creator. He loves everything about you. He is, you are the apple of his eye. Let me get calm down so I can communicate. He, he, he is in love with you. Nathaniel said, he didn't say, when did you see me? He said, how, how, how do you know me? He realized that when Jesus saw him, he didn't, just, he didn't just see him. Whenever he saw him, that moment was a defining moment where he knew what was going on in Nathaniel. See, my brain works this way. Well, what on earth was Nathaniel doing under the fig tree that made such a difference? I mean, if Jesus appeared to me, and that in itself would be amazing, but 
But then he said, you know, I saw you in your backyard. I would say, when? Because I've been in my backyard a million times. I don't know if Nathaniel was complaining under the fig tree. Was he worshiping under the fig tree? Was he, was he saying, God, if you are real, somehow you got to get me a message under the fig tree? I don't, know what, I don't know what kind of conversation, I don't know what, what the state of his heart was, but I know this, whatever was going on under the fig tree, it was enough. It could have been a moment of crisis, who knows. But, but when Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel immediately knew that I am known by God. And friends, I want to tell you, you are known by God and he loves you anyway. He loved Jacob anyway. He pursued Jacob anyway. He loved Nathaniel anyway, and he loves you. Sometimes we think if people knew who I was, they wouldn't love me. Which is what's so amazing about the love of Jesus. He knows exactly who you are and loves you anyway. That's why Romans says, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. One of our problems is that we allow our circumstances to convince us that God is absent. You may say, well, Pastor, we'll never know what Nathaniel was thinking under that fig tree. Well, you're right. We'll never know. You can, when you get to heaven, you can make that question number two on your list of what you ask the Lord. Question number one is what happened to the dinosaurs? Question number two, what was Nathaniel doing under the fig tree. <laughs> so, sorry. Here, I don't know what he's doing under the fig tree, but here's what, here's what I do know. He was convinced in that moment that, God, you were with me when I thought I was alone. God, you thought you were with me when I was convinced you were far from me. See, if Nathaniel would have had a reality in his mind that God was with him under the fig tree, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have said, oh yeah, I knew that. No, no. Whatever happened under the fig tree, he thought God was a million miles away. But Jesus said, no, 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 I saw you there. Sometimes we allow the circumstances of our life to convince us that God is present or worse, that God is absent. And if you're going to take something away from this service, take this away this morning. You cannot measure the presence of God by outward circumstances. I'll give you some things you want to write, write them down real quick. Ways that are not evidence of God's presence. Full buildings are empty buildings are not evidence of God's presence. Matter of fact, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in His name, guess what? There he is. He's right there. Success or failure in the eyes of people. Evidence that God is with you or abandon you. Look at, look at the very first martyr in the New Testament church. His name is Stephen. And if you're judging someone's life from the outside, you would think, what a waste. I mean, Stephen is elected as a deacon and just 
just seemingly days, if not weeks, into his ministry. He is martyred for the cause of Christ. You can think, man, he had to feel so alone, standing alone, giving his life for Jesus. But the Bible says just the opposite is true. That as he was given his last breath for the cause of Christ, that heaven was open and he saw the Son of God at the right hand of the Father. What seemed to be a God-absent moment was a God-present moment. So our success, our failure, doesn't measure us. Listen, we got to remember this. My pain is not evidence that God has forsaken me. Just because I'm hurting doesn't mean that God is absent. You know, the Apostle Paul says that I, he uses this southern word, that I reckon, Right? I reckon that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. My present pain is making way to my eternal healing. My present loss is making way to my eternal gain. My my present sorrow is making way for my eternal joy. Just because I have a moment of discomfort doesn't mean that God has abandoned me. Listen, loneliness also is not evidence that God is absent. Anybody ever felt lonely? Today? Loneliness is a real deal. Even the prophet Elijah knew it was like to feel lonely. So lonely that he, his prayer sounded kind of like this, Lord, I, I really wish, I really wish you'd just go ahead and kill me. Because I am the only one that understands. I'm the only, no one understands what I'm going through. But God told him, listen, you're not the only one. There's still 7,000 people that I have reserved who's, who have not bowed a knee to the God of Baal. There's more people around you that you realize. Listen, God is with us even though through our loneliness. God is also with us even though our feelings tell us He's absent. I think I said this last week or sometime recently, but I'll say it again. The American church in 2023, lived too, we live too much by our feelings. I will say it again. We live too much by your feelings. Tell your neighbor, your feelings matter. Now I tell them this, but they don't matter that much. (laughs) I can't believe y'all said that. (laughs) Our, Our feelings matter. But we've been called to walk by faith and not by Sight are by feelings. Sometimes my feelings tell me to go crawl back in the bed all day. My feelings tell me to, to slap that person who says the wrong thing to me. Sorry. <laughs> but my faith says to bless those who persecute me and pray for those who despitefully use me. Right? Right? My faith says one thing, but my feelings say something else. We have too many people that they live their, their whole life res- 
by their feelings. And when their feelings go against their faith, then they start to justify their actions by saying, well, I just felt, who cares? Well, I care, Pastor. You want to be blessed or cursed? Do you want, do you want the result of your life to be God's doing or your doing? Because if I live by my feelings, everything my life accomplishes is going to be by my ability instead of God's ability. And I've just lived long enough to know that Greg Sanders' outcomes don't work very good. But the glory of God, the presence of God, the Word of God always works out better. So I can't walk by feelings. doesn't mean I don't have feelings. doesn't mean I don't want to get back in bed some days. doesn't mean that I have to put my hands in my pocket to keep them from doing what they want to do. Right? Feelings are real. But we can't let our feelings override our faith in Jesus Christ. Man, I, I, maybe I should have just preached about that subject this morning. But I just feel people, I, I feel there's feelings again. I see people, how about that? I see people making drastic, life-altering decisions, walking away from the Word of God says this, but they do that. And when you ask them to, to just, just boil it down for me, why are, you, why, are you going, why are you living contradictory to the Word of God? At the end of the day, their explanation comes down to this. Well, I felt like... I'll tell you what you felt like. You felt like God was absent. You felt like God wouldn't keep His Word. You feel like God keeps His promises to other people, but He doesn't keep them to you. And friends, that is, that, that is why we got to have the presence of God in our lives that says, it doesn't matter what I feel, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, I need this point for myself. Popularity among people is not evidence that God is present or absent. So you can't, make, you can't measure the presence of God by your circumstances. But what you can measure the presence of God by is His Word. Like when Joshua writes for us, or, or in the book of Joshua it says, As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can, base, you can measure your life on that. Is, is this a forever? Yeah. So God is... With me in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse number thirty-one, the Lord is the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers. He swore to them by the oath. Hebrews chapter thirteen says, "He has said, I will never leave you or forsake you." So I cannot measure the presence of God by what I see or by what I feel or what I think or what I see, but I can measure it by the Word of God that says His presence is with me. Number three, God's presence. God, open my eyes to your presence because I know your presence can feel, F-I-L-L, feel my life. His presence can feel the empty places of my life. Jesus said to Nathaniel, very truly I tell you, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
how many of you know, this is going to be a great illustration for us, because one thing that hasn't changed in about 3,000 years is the purpose of a ladder. How many of you love using a ladder? This past week, I put my Christmas stuff in the attic, 15 trips up and down, and like I couldn't hardly walk the next day, I had just because all the stuff. Do you know? You know what the purpose of a ladder? It's to get what's up there down here, and to get what's down here up there. I started to label this. I started to title this whole message simply this: "Up there, down here." And if that'll help you remember the message better, great. Up there, down here. That's what, that's what a ladder does. It gets what's up there, down here. Jacob, hit rewind. Jacob, heel grabber, deceiver, manipulator, sinner, betrayer. That's his life. And God shows him a ladder. Says, Jacob, I'm trying to get what's up there down there to you. I'm trying to get all your stress, worry, and manipulation off of you up here. Up there, down here, down here, up there. Pastor, this doesn't sound very spiritual. What did Jesus say when the disciples asked him to pray? He said, Lord, teach us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Up there, down here, down here, up there, right? As it is on earth, as it is in heaven. Up there, down here, down here, up there. That's, that's, you got that? That's okay, prayer? God, open my eyes so I can see what's up there, down here, and what's down here, I can just release up there. You getting that? And Jacob, as deceiving and conniving, as manipulating as he was in his younger days, the Lord appeared to him and said, listen, there's still a way for me to get what's up there down here to you. There was a ladder. There was an access point. And now Jesus shows up in Nathaniel's life and he says, by the way, Nathaniel, you're going to see up there coming down here a lot more often because I am the way. Jesus speaking. I am the truth. I am the way you get up there down here. He said, you're going to see the angels ascending and descending on me. Jesus says, I am the ladder. Jacob, you've been trying your whole life to climb this ladder to try to get up there down here. Here, You've been trying to get the blessing of God deceitfully, and your ladder is no good. It doesn't work. Nathaniel, man, you're a great guy. In you, there is no deceit. There is no guile. You're nothing like your ancestor, Jacob. You're a good guy. But Nathaniel, your ladder's too short. Up there, can't come down there with your ladder. Here, let's just, let's just try this real quick. Seth, come here, buddy. Danger of the front row. Let me position this just right. Here's what I, here's what I need you to do, buddy. Change that light bulb right there. Let me, let me know when you're done. You done yet? Well, I can't get up there. It's got to be changed. Okay. Who's taller than he and I? Anybody taller than he and I? Eddie, what do you think, buddy? Can you get down here to up there? What, what do we need? We need we, genius guy right here. Seth said we need a bigger ladder. Thank you.
you walked in the church today, I don't know if you realize it or not, but you need a bigger ladder. Whether you consider your life to be like Jacob, I have messed up from, I, from, from the day I was born to now. I have just lived a life that has been mess up after mess up. I've, I've sinned greatly. I've manipulated. I've hurt those who love me. I've done all this stuff. You need a bigger ladder because your mess ups will never get you to Jesus. By the way, those of us who grew up in church, you think, well, Pastor, I've never really been that bad. You haven't been that bad, but can I tell you, your ladder's too short, too. But Jesus said, I'm going to be the ladder. I am the way to get what's up there down here. And what's wrong down there, out of here. Up there, down here, down here, up there. As your kingdom come, there, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ephesians chapter 3 says, it is Jesus by whom we have boldness and confident access through faith. And him. I got a lot more to give you this morning, but I just, I just, I want to ask you to bow your heads real quick. This morning, Jesus sought Jacob and he's seeking you. Jesus sought Nathaniel and he's seeking you. Your sin is not too deep, but your goodness is not. Too great to satisfy the distance between us and God. We need Him. We need Him for salvation. But we also need Him for our daily task of getting what's up there down here, getting the heart of God restored and renewed over and over again. And today you say, Pastor, I have I am away from God. Maybe you've been away from God because of deep, deep sin, or maybe you've just been away from God because of almost like Nathaniel. Nathaniel almost missed Jesus out of just not hate, just a little bit of cynicism, a little bit of indifference, and a little bit of thinking, hey, I'm good. I'm good like I am. But us like we are doesn't get up there or down here. And today say, Pastor, I need to I'm away from God, but today's the day I need, to, I need what's up there to come down here. I need the presence of God in my life. And the last few minutes as I shared the word with you, because of what I said or perhaps despite what I said, you, you know this, more, this moment the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you, saying, listen, you're, you're, you're not close to me like you need to. And the Holy Spirit's saying, listen, this is your moment. I've been watching you. I've been drawing you. And more than that, He knows you. He wants to be the difference maker in your life. Say, Pastor, I, I need that today. I need him to be the difference maker in my life. Please lift your hand real quick. Trust me, Pastor, pray for me. Amen? 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 Amen. This is your moment. God wants to get what's up there down here to you. Several hands were raised. And I want to pray for those who lifted a hand right now. I'm not done with my message, so don't get excited and run out when I'm done praying. Because I've got some instructions for the rest of us too. But I want to specifically pray for those who feel far from God. Nathaniel thought he was away from God, but God had been with him the whole time. Jacob thought he was running away from the blessing of God, the plan of God. He thought, I've done too much, I've lost it all. But the presence of God was chasing him down. And the presence of God has chased many of us down to this moment right now. So Father, I pray for every person who lifted their hand. Or maybe there was someone in the room that didn't have the boldness to lift their hand, but they know that's me. 
God, I've been so unaware of your presence, but today I realize you've been chasing me, and you have chased me all the way to this moment. Father, I pray right now, if there is any, like Jacob, deceit in their heart, the Bible calls it sin, we've been doing our own thing instead of God's thing, Lord, forgive us of it right now. Anything that would block the presence of God from flowing into our life, we just ask you to remove it right now. Or maybe our sin has not been the horrid evils that we think about. Perhaps our sin has just been the complacent indifference. The, maybe it's not even unbelief. Maybe it's just delayed belief. We've kind of given up. We've wondered, is God going to keep his word? Lord, forgive us of that as well. Because our goodness also doesn't get the goodness of God to us. God, whatever it is that is making, uh, Lord, is keeping us from experiencing the presence of God, Lord, I pray you'll remove it from us. That, God, we will live, the key word is a submitted life to you that welcomes your presence every single moment. And I pray for those who lift their hand that right now you'd give them peace. I pray you'd give them joy. And I pray that those moments that have seen God absent, they'll see those moments differently as God-filled moments. Moments that you're going to give them direction for, moments you're going to give them strength for, moments you're going to show them how to operate, moments they're going to walk by faith and not by their feelings any longer. Lord, do it in their life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Megan, if you want to come. So how, I've done a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, Love talking today. I'm going to do a few more. Here's my closing question. How do we get what's up there down here? Jesus said, I'm the ladder. I'm, I'm, I'm how you get what's up there down here. But how, what's some practical ways you and I can get what's up there down here? I'm going to give you these pretty fast. Number one, worship Jesus. Become a worshiper. Lift up his name. The word says that he loves to come in a habit where his names be lifted, lifted up. Number two, surround yourself with Jesus followers. We need people who will nudge us, push us, sometimes kick us towards the Lord. Sometimes people are the manifestation of Jesus to us when they're believers phone call at the right time, letter at the right time, encouraging word at the right time. How can we heighten our awareness of Him? Realize problems, nobody likes them, but problems are a unique opportunity to discover the power of Jesus. You know, it's in the storm that the disciples realized Jesus was the storm calmer. Their awareness of God lifted up. As a matter of fact, the disciples' words when Jesus calmed the storm were this, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey his voice? Their, their knowledge of him, their pre, their, it was elevated. You can use scripture to become more familiar with the presence of God. You know, there's this, I'm done preaching, but I'm about to start anyway. There's this concept, there's this division, this dividing line in Christianity that we've got to get over because it's a lie from hell. There, there's some people that think, that this word 
is different. This is one thing, and the presence of God is another thing. I want to say that again because some of you are looking at me like, scaring me. Some believe that this and the presence of God is two different things. But isn't it John's gospel that said the Word became flesh? Christmas celebrates God with us. Christmas is a celebration of the written Word becoming the walking Word. So you can't, you can't separate the Word of God from the work of God or the presence of God. It, it, it's, it's, it's all one thing. And so Scripture brings us closer to the presence of God because it is the Word of God. You can allow nature. You know, the Bible says that creation declares the glory of God so that men are without excuse. Corporate gatherings like this one today can deliver exponential awareness of God's presence. In a few weeks, I know you don't need this message because you're here today, but in a few weeks, I'm going to be talking about the importance of the gathered church. Some people think the gathered church isn't that important anymore. Well, it's so not important that countries like communist China are still busting up the, the gathered church. It's so not a big deal that the enemy's figured out if they can disperse the church, they can destroy the church. And for generations, the church has kept saying, no, no, that's not going to happen. But corporate gatherings, pastor, I don't believe that. I think it's out of date. Well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, says, when you are assembled together in the name of the Lord Jesus... And my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're there. Reflect. How do I feel God when God feels far away? How do I continue to get what's up there down here? Here's a big way for me personally. I reflect on the providence of God. There have been so many times when God seemed absent. But six months down the road or six years down the road, I realized God was not present. He was not absent at all. He was present. He was carrying me. He was sustaining me. He was providing for me. And so if God provided for me in the past when I couldn't see it, then why would I not believe that he's providing for me today? He's with me today even if I don't see it. Last but not least, take a fresh step of faith. Nothing makes you realize the presence or recognize the presence of God more like taking a step of faith today. Most of us, we try to live our life at the safest way possible. And living life safely doesn't require the presence of God. Right? But when I take steps of faith, when I give what God tells me to give, when I love those who God tells me to love, when I serve those who God tells me to serve, when I attend and, and, and I give of myself, when I live by example to my peers, but then I begin to tell them by conversation, all of a sudden I realize I need more presence of God than I have. Steps of faith. So you join me by staying there today. I know I've preached 15 minutes too long, and you can take it up with... Um, those people are always telling me to just keep on going. They, they won today. But here's my second question. 
if you are running on empty, what we need, if you're running on fumes this morning, what we need is not more stuff. I love vacations. I love days off. But I can tell you, nothing refills us like the presence of God. We need His presence. So this week, our prayer, God, open our eyes. In today's prayer, God, open your eyes. Open my eyes to your presence. I want to see what you see. I want to see what's up there. Come down here. God, I want to see it. So our closing prayer, I would love for you just to join me in a prayer of unison this morning. Say, God, open my eyes to more of your presence. Make me more aware of who you are and what you have for me. So as you lift up your hearts and your hands, would you join me in that prayer this morning? God, open my eyes to more of you. Lord, open my eyes to the resources you have for me. Open my eyes to the plans you have for me. Open my eyes to the presence of God that is already laid out. Lord, you've already designed it for me. God, you've already ordained it for us. Lord, the plans and the promises of God, they're not something out there that you're still creating. God, you've already spoken it. They already exist. You're just waiting for someone to dare to ask to see it. And so, God, this week, we're, we're just daring to ask for more. God, open our eyes for more and more of you. Lord, we understand you are the way to get what's up there down there. Lord, you, you came so that heaven could come to earth and so that earth could come to heaven. So open our eyes to how we can participate in that process more and more and more. And we'll give you thanks for it. Because, Lord, without you, we're not enough. Or with our thinking, it's not enough. But God, with you, all things are possible. We know that you're with us. So help us to recognize that you're with us every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, it's 1129. If no one's told you yet today that they love you, let me be the first to tell you I love you. God bless you. Join us this week starting tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for a week of prayer. Hey, if you're a first-time guest, I'll be on the front porch in about 60 seconds. I'd love to greet you and meet you and put a gift in your hands. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.